0: Summer, we're going through the book of Isaiah, and we're up to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah is often called the fifth gospel. And here's why that's important. Uh, there's 66 books in the Bible. That's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. In the New Testament, there's four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they cover the life of Jesus, including his miracles, teaching, death, and resurrection. But then Isaiah's in the Old Testament. It's called the fifth gospel, why? Because Isaiah, written about 700 years before Christ, describes the coming Messiah again, again, and again, in great detail, prophetically, and it's a perfect description. So we see Jesus in the Old Testament. When you read your Bibles, don't think that Jesus is just in the New Testament. No, Jesus, every part of scripture pointing to Jesus, and we're gonna see that In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42, and we look at Jesus who is a servant. And I also want to point out, as we're thinking about Isaiah speaking to the soul of a nation, we think about our nation today, our greatest need, both on a national level and a personal level, is Jesus to draw close to Jesus, to know Jesus, to go deep with Jesus, to receive from Jesus, to receive his love, to abide with him, to live a life of love. We know that this is what our nation needs at this time, just like it's been true in every generation. And we looked at Jesus together in Isaiah chapter 42. Jesus serves. It's so inspiring to see a savior who serves, to receive from him, To be filled up with his love, his hope, and then to go serve the world. It's inspiring to see that Jesus serves. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that it's written on the pages. Old Testament, New Testament. This is your word. And also thank you that you're so personal with us. Lord, thank you. Uh, for coming to save us and dying for us, Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, your presence in us. And thank you that we're family, not just locally, but globally as well. God, we look to you together. God, we bring our needs to you. We bring our pain. We bring our worries. We bring our fear. We bring every area that we're inadequate. And we come to you, Jesus. We receive from you afresh today. And we pray in your name, amen. God is seen through serving. That's right. God is seen through serving. God is also experienced through serving. Serving, it's really tied to who God is. And when you spend time with God, he transforms you, changes you from the inside out. And pretty soon, you start joyfully serving. Isaiah chapter 42 is a very straightforward chapter about the significance of serving. And it's also called the servant song. There's songs tied into serving in Isaiah. Chapter 42, chapter 49, chapter 50. We see all these songs break out and they're songs of hope. They're songs of serving. They're songs of joy. And maybe recently, even this week, you've had a joyful experience of serving someone. You know, as they study our bodies and the different chemicals in our bodies, that they notice we receive the most joy when we're in love with someone, when we're serving someone, we're helping someone. We're designed to do it. We're made to do it. So there's incredible joy in serving, but sometimes serving's not a joy. Uh, before we just dive into this passage, let's do a quick check because as we approach the topic of serving, there can really be some tainted and warped views. Serving is not a joy if you think you need to earn your way to heaven through serving. You cannot earn your way to heaven through serving. Serving is not a joy if you think you've got to earn God's love through serving because you always feel like you've got to do more and you're not good enough and you're not loved. Serving is not a joy if you're very perfectionistic and you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Uh, serving's not a joy when you enable other people, maybe even with abuse, you, you just keep acting like it's fine and it's not okay. Then serving's not a joy. Serving's not a joy when you enable for other people and they're lazy and you just keep going more and more. Serving's not a joy if it's not done with the focus, if there's not efficiency, if you're not organized and you're just scrambling, you're just going everywhere. Serving's not a joy when you just reject it and say, I'm done with it. Okay, I'm not going to serve anymore. COVID's here. There's no chances to serve. I'm done serving. No, serving, you can see it can get warped. It can get twisted. Some people are workaholics. They have been for so long. Other people just haven't been serving in so long. And so it is, it's one of those topics that's very easy to fall into some unhealthy places. And part of this passage is to come back and regain a healthy perspective, a biblical, uh, very positive, joyful experience as it relates to serving. And the only way we're going to do that is to look to Jesus. And what we see in this passage through Jesus There's four things that serving brings. Four things that serving brings. The first one, serving brings hope. Serving brings hope. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. We read the phrase, my servant. Now, in the Bible, my servant could mean many different things, it could mean the nation Israel. God's servant to bless the other nations. It could mean Cyrus, who is going to be God's servant to free people from exile from the Babylonians and they can return to Jerusalem. We are God's servants. We're his son and daughters, but we're also his servants. But in this particular passage, my servant is the Messiah. This is pointing to Jesus Christ. And the Father says, I delight in him. And don't miss this. Serving, the action of serving is always secondary. The Father's delight in the Son. Relationship is primary, serving in action is secondary. As good as serving is, it's in the context of this loving relationship with God that he delights in you, you're accepted, you're forgiven, you're loved. And out of that relationship, then you move forward in serving. But serving is secondary, it's not primary. And the Son, Jesus, is carrying out the Father's will. In the Near East, that word servant meant trusted representative. When you're a servant of God, it means he trusts you, he entrusts. You're a steward of what he's given to you, time, talent, and treasure. And then you're also his representative. As his servant, his son and daughter, you represent him. And people could see the Father through the Son. How did Jesus bring hope? How did Jesus serve? We have some details here. We have some pictures. Take a look at verse 2. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Jesus had a very humble ministry. He was a carpenter until about age 30, but it was very unassuming. And you might have a ministry in a role where not a lot of people notice and applaud you and Jesus uh, was even mistreated for serving. So we also read, a, read that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Uh, Jesus brought mending and healing. Jesus brought a lot of mercy for contrite sinners. And Jesus refreshed people who were burned out. And then we read in faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. Jesus always had a commitment to truth and justice as he served. He will not falter or be discouraged. Jesus continually rejects discouragement. And that's one of the things when you serve is you've got to reject discouragement. Reject it again. I'm not going to let it, not going to harbor it, not going to let it take over, not going to let it change my attitude. Jesus did that till he establishes justice on earth, in his law the islands will put their hope In other words, the nations will be blessed through Jesus as they receive from him, they believe him, they trust him, and people from every nation and tribe will be in heaven worshiping Jesus. So you get a picture and a flavor, don't you, in those verses of how Jesus lived life, how he served, and it inspires us. And Spurgeon, who's well-known as a preacher, I like this quote because it really shares his heart. He says, I would go to the deeps a hundred times to cheer a downcast spirit. Do you know anyone who has a downcast spirit? Spurgeon says, I would go into the deeps a hundred times to encourage a downcast spirit. And maybe you have the opportunity to come alongside of someone. Jesus left heaven to come down to earth to bring hope. And we also have the privilege of coming alongside people who are downcast. And as you receive strength and hope from the Lord, you have strength and hope to bring to the situation. He said it is good for me to have been afflicted that I might know how to speak a word in season to one who is weary. Spurgeon says the affliction I've gone through was not in vain, but I've learned through that pain and that suffering how to minister, how to care for, how to bring a timely word to someone who also is hurting and maybe even going through that same situation. And what I hear in Spurgeon's heart is he's received hope from the Lord. Jesus has met him in the low places, and he's willing to also serve and bring hope to people who desperately need hope. When that happens, God is seen through serving. God is experienced through serving, and hope begins to rise. Now, I want to show you a picture. It's a picture we took recently, and it was at a store, the store Wild Birds Unlimited. I'd never seen the store before, but what caught our attention, I don't know if you can see it, but close up, lean in, in that E, there's two little compartments. And on the bottom part of the E, there's a nest, and on the top part of the E, there's a bird. And we saw that. We're like, we got to take a picture of this. This is unusual. And I don't know what goes through the mind of a bird. I don't understand bird brains, but looking at that sign, wild birds, It just looks like, come on over, birds, come on over. Unlimited, you've got access anywhere you want. Go ahead and and just put up a nest. And it's almost like the birds were entering in thinking, is it just words? Is it just a sign? Is the offer real? And in a lot of ways, I think that there's people watching today. If you're a follower of Jesus and people know you follow Jesus, they're wondering, are you just giving lip service to, to helping other people? Are you just giving lip service to caring for other people? Are you giving lip service about g- being generous? Or is there a home here? Is there a kindness here? Is there real service? Is there a place that I can just set up and enter in and enjoy it? And those little birds are a picture of entering in. All of us need to receive from the Lord. And then if you follow Jesus, you're his trusted representative. And it's so much more important, not just to put up a big sign that say, yep, I'm all about serving, But people know it from drawing close to you and from your life. And Christ will empower you to do that. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 22, this is right after Isaiah 42 is quoted. Isaiah is quoted many times in the New Testament. And Jesus is healing so many people. He's serving and healing. He's serving and teaching. And then we read, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David, the son of David being another name for the Messiah? Hope was stirred when they saw healing, when they saw darkness and demonic forces being pushed back and the light was shining. They started to wonder with hope, could Jesus be the one, the Messiah? Is he the one that we need? And for such a time as this, where there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of despair, Jesus stirs hope, doesn't he? I mean, where else are we going to go? Maybe personally, you felt a lack of hope recently, financially, in relationships, your own attitude, your emotions, uh, the need for healing, and you just felt, "Where's the hope going to come from?" And nothing's changed in over two thousand years. The hope comes from Jesus, and there's that astonishment and that stirring of hope. Could this be? Could this be the authentic servant Savior Jesus? And it is, and it is. Jesus serves. And through serving, people see God. And through serving, there's hope. Jesus is stirring hope today, just like he did in the passage here in Matthew. Serving brings hope. There's a second thing that serving brings. Serving brings life change. Serving brings life change. Starting in verse 5, this is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Uh, There's life change. Why? Starting out with who God is. Who is the one who brings life change? He's our creator. When you look at the heavens, you know, there's different layers. There's the first layer where the clouds are. God created everything on that layer. There's the next layer, the solar system. God created everything on that layer. And then the galaxies. Well, God created everything on that layer. You start to think, if he's able to create all of that, maybe he could change my life. Maybe he could change our lives and he has the power to do that. Uh, Actually, right now, everything in the earth you see, God created The reason we're alive is God sustains us. Every single breath reminds us of his power to keep us alive. And you think of all the different blessings in your life. God has called you, he's chosen you, he's saved you. He builds you up, he comforts you, and he's gonna shine his light, not only in you, but through you to the nations. And he is the one who brings uh, life change He is the one who brings release. Release is a key word in these phrases. Uh, Release from what? Release from the dungeon. Release from darkness. Release from despair. Jesus is releasing people and setting people free today. He is the one who brings release. Think about his purpose. This is Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. We read that just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, And to give his life as a ransom for many. That's his purpose. Jesus didn't show up and say, all right, everybody just start serving me constantly. No, he showed up. What was his attitude? What was his mindset? He came to serve and even give his life. And that should so impact us that when something like COVID hits, that's unexpected and we're in the middle of a crisis, we know what our purpose is. Our purpose right now is to serve and see lives changed. If you embrace the purpose of Jesus, then that changes the way you enter into social media. Now I'm meddling. But your purpose on social media is actually to serve people. It's to serve people with what you post and your comments and what you share. That's part of your calling is to serve people through so many different uh, avenues that God opens up as Jesus continues to set people free. I want to give you some examples from our church family. I've been talking to different people who mentor other people on the job, at their workplace. They just care for people beyond their job description. They take them under their wing. They teach them. They talk about life and they care for them. I'm thinking about so many people in our church. We see changed lives as they love their families. They serve their families. And it's 24-7. It really is. Uh, You know, if you're a stay-at-home parent, like where's the month off, right? Uh, It's not there. But serving and loving and building up the next generation and building up family and bringing people into reconciliation. There's a ministry with families that's significant. We just saw Julie's story, and she serves through the hospital. Even through COVID, she's continued to serve. She's cared for so many patients. She's entered in sometimes in harms way she served in other countries. You say, "Well, why are you doing this, Julie?" It's because Jesus, it's because he the way he serves me that I just want to see more lives changed. I'm thinking about uh someone in our church that they came to know the Lord at the University of Washington. And it was kind of funny that as roommates were assigned to different people, This man was thinking to himself, just don't give me a born again Christian. Just don't want to be with a born again Christian. And what did God do? His roommate was a born again Christian and he came to know Jesus in college. I talked to him and his wife this week. And he's now in his 70s, you know, battling cancer. But this is what he's doing during COVID. He's continued to listen to people, hear their stories, share Jesus. And by God's grace, for God's glory, he's led six people to Jesus during this time of COVID. And I'm highlighting this because this is a time right now when there are so many opportunities to serve people and see lives changed. There are needs all around us, more than we've seen. When things are going smoothly and everything's just prosperous, sometimes people fall in this illusion like, yeah, I don't need any help. Stay away, distant, individual. But right now is different. And people need a phone call. And they need some groceries. And they need some food. And they need someone to pray for them. They need to hear a story of how Jesus has changed your life. And there's there's more opportunities right now than there were a year ago. That's how I would look out and see things. It's changed. And God is changing lives. Jesus empowers us to serve. We see people released. And jesus continues to set people free he's setting people free right now who have been struggling with suicide and they're seeing that there's love from god he's setting people free that have been in patterns of sin and there's a purification he's setting people free who have been caught in the middle of addiction and thought there's no way out but jesus is setting people free jesus is setting people free from despair and setting people free from isolation, coming into close relationship with Jesus, and then starting to realize that there's a community that loves, there's a church family that loves. Jesus sets us free from darkness, dungeons, despair, and we come to life, he changes lives. It's not just what we read in the Bible, as good as that is, but we get to see it with our own eyes. Jesus changes lives. He brings hopes that's real, and then he gets into our lives, into places where we thought no one else could reach, And just when we feel like no one's there and there's no hope, Jesus comes in and does this work that's so amazing. And that's who he is. That's why we worship him. And that leads to the third thing serving brings. It brings hope. It brings changed lives. Serving brings God glory. Look at verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. The culture at that time, around the world at that time, there was this battle. Are you going to serve and worship the living God? Are you going to create your own idol and bow down to that? And you might hear that option and think, well, that's a no brainer. Wouldn't you go with the creator? Wouldn't you go with the maker? Wouldn't you go with this loving, living God? But there's temptations with idols. I mean, when there's an idol, we can feel like we're in control. We can feel like we're calling the shots. We can feel like everything is just right here in my hand and I'm in charge and I'm driving and God doesn't gonna tell me what the truth is and what life is all about, like this is mine. And there's temptations with idols. And who's gonna get the glory? Sometimes our idols are simply another person that we put up there on the pedestal, on the throne. Sometimes we put ourselves in that position. And there's different ways we're really worshiping ourselves. Now, uh, we know that we're loved. We know we're made in God's image. But we are not God. And uh, we're not to be worshiped, including ourselves. So there's this tension in every generation on who gets the praise, who gets the worship. Who does it belong to? Well, actually, it belongs to God. It is right to give him worship and praise. And the more we praise him and the more we're serving— And the more we're loving people and loving our neighbors and sharing our stories, then his praise, he is magnified and more people hear the good news. Uh, Here's something real simple my friend Joe Bond shared with me this week. It's very simple regarding idols, but, but I think it's effective and memorable. He was wearing a hat and he said, the hat belongs on my head. And he was wearing shoes and he said, the shoes belong on my feet. Now, if I picked up my shoes and I put them on my head, what would happen? They would fall off. They don't belong there. If if I pick up my hat and I put it on my feet, what would happen? My hat would get ruined. It would get trampled on. And Jesus is the head. When we try to replace Jesus and some other idol, we take our feet. All right, We are the hands and feet of Jesus, like we're connected to Jesus, but we're never supposed to be at the top. No idol at the top. So when we replace Jesus, find a substitute, and put someone or something else there, it's going to fall off. It's going to fall after pride comes the fall. And when we try to take Jesus and trample him and tell him who he really is and tell him his words aren't true, what's going to happen there? That's an ugly picture. And it's easy to flip things around. Instead of bringing God glory, what we're designed to do, and resting in his love, it's easy to try to replace God with something else. Let's pull God out. Let's pull him out of this. Let's pull him out of that. Let's pull him out of this. See it in our culture. Uh, Pull him out of this. Pull him out of that. And then where does that get us? And at some point, uh, we've got to say, we need to return to the Lord. We need to give him glory. We need to give him praise. We need to trust him again. We need to repent of our sin. And I think seeing Jesus serve inspires us to do that. When you think about Jesus serving, there's a tension, isn't there? How could the king of kings, what king leaves heaven, comes to earth, then they beat him up, they spit on him, they mock him, they put nails in his body, the wrath of God on him. Uh, When you think about the injustice, how he's mistreated, murdered, there's a tension there. It's like, what king, what god would do that? And that's attention. And then here's another tension. How could Jesus give us so much? How could he give us eternity? How could he give us all the clothes we have, Uh, the roof over our heads, the people who love us, our church family, uh, the ability to connect right now with technology, uh, every breath. How does he give us so much? He's there right now at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. He just continues to intercede for us. He continues to serve us and he serves us more and more and more. And if you could fast forward a thousand years and just start to try to count and fathom and really grasp how much he serves us. There is a tension there. How could one who is so great come down so low? And how could one just serve us for so long, so well, so faithfully? And it creates a tension in our lives. It created tension in this culture right here as Jesus was on earth. There's a tension there. And what do you do with the tension? Uh, You just realize that our Savior is really humble and you realize our Savior's really generous, and you receive fully from him. You don't fight grace and resist grace. You receive it fully. And I would say during the week, uh, there's opportunities to receive love. It's one of the most important things of walking with Jesus. Receive love from him. Receive love from other people. And then you're going to be filled up. You're going to have love to give. We had a knock on our door, and it was a surprise knock. This person has never come to our door, and they brought these cherries, and... All these cherries, so many cherries, about 10 houses down. And they came over to our door, knocked on our door, gave us all these cherries. The kids have been enjoying the cherries. And now the cherries are gone. So sorry, we we ate them before I could bring any to share. But those cherries were so good. And we saw the people. This was like a week later. We saw them again. And we said, how did you bring us, like, those cherries were so good. Why did you decide to give us all those cherries? And this is what they said. Someone gave them the cherries, brought them all their cherries, and as they received the cherries, they had this sense from the Lord, and we didn't know like where they were with faith. We didn't really have a deep relationship with them. But they said, when we received the cherries, the Lord laid it on our heart to give them to you. So they took all those cherries, they walked them down the block, about 10 houses, knocked on our door and said, these are for you. We didn't know that part of the story until about a week later. But what happened? They were just listening to the Lord, generous, loving their neighbors. And then they had the opportunity and they shared why they did what they did and the glory went to the Lord. And I think that's a picture of receiving from the Lord the kindness and love that flows out. Uh, Francis Chan says this, and I think it's a good challenge in terms of uh, living for the Lord. He says, most of us use this thinking. I'm waiting for God to reveal his calling on my life. We use that thinking as a means of avoiding action. And he asks, did you hear God calling you to sit in front of the television yesterday? Did you hear God calling to go on your last vacation or exercise this morning? Probably not but you still did it. The point isn't that vacations or exercises are wrong, but that we are quick to rationalize our entertainment and priorities, yet are slow to commit to serving God. And how is this nation going to change, right? How are things going to change in our culture? Uh, I was listening to someone named Taylor who says, it's going to sound very simple, but I think it's kind of profound. If nothing changes nothing changes. If nothing changes right now, nothing changes. Are you good with nothing changing in your world right now? Are you good with nothing changing in our country right now? Are you good with how everything is right now? Don't we long for significant change? Meaningful change? Don't we want Auburn to be a little more like heaven, right? And and what does that mean? This world is going to change through people who are humble and steady. And serving, and who bring glory to God, who are abiding with Jesus, receive from Him, and then love their neighbors and serve in that way. And I think that's what Francis Chan was saying. That's what we were tasting as we were eating all those cherries and not sharing any with our neighbors. Uh, But but what a picture. Glorify the Lord. So many opportunities. And then the last one serving brings restoration. Look at the last verse, verse 9. See, the former things have taken place. And new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Uh, God says, I announce, I declare. What is that a hint? When you read that, that God's communicating, God's declaring, it's a hint. Let's listen to him. Let's fast on Tuesdays for a meal and listen to God every week. Let's seek God in prayer. Let's remove our distractions. Let's get alone. Let's get in the word. Let's listen to what God's declaring. What is God declaring right now? What is God declaring in this passage? He declares that he is doing something new. God wants to do something new. If nothing changes, nothing changes. God didn't want the people to stay in exile. He didn't want the people to stay in rebellion. He had hopes and plans for the future, just like he does for us. And God wants to do a new thing. That's why we're trying to listen to God. And next Saturday, we're going to give away a lot of food to anyone who needs food around Auburn. We sense God's doing a new thing. Digital ministry, right now we're working on an app. We sense God is doing a new thing. We're putting together a marriage series right now, a new one, 30 days, strengthen your marriage. We sense God is doing a new thing. We want to build up marriages during the season. There's so many new things, kind of shifts. And I like this picture. Someone said they had this vision of what's happening right now. And the vision is an arrow. And with an arrow, you first pull back the arrow and then it has a purpose. It has direction. There's a real focus. And this time during the crisis, it's felt like a pulling back from what usually happens. And it feels like a little bit of a, a refocusing and a refining right now. But it's not in vain. In God, with that pulling back, God's getting set to release, to set free, to aim, to focus. And God has a purpose. God is doing new things during this time. Matthew chapter 23, we've gone to Matthew three times today. Matthew chapter 23, it's all focused on the king of kings who's also serving. Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus turns it upside down. He redefines greatness. He says true greatness is the one who's truly serving. And sometimes that serving Just like Jesus. How did Jesus serve? Uh, He kept serving when he was mistreated. He kept serving when he was mocked. He kept serving when no one noticed him. He kept serving when no one appreciated him. He kept serving before he saw all the fruits of the serving. He just kept serving. And uh, with the serving, God brings restoration. And if our attitude is that, if we have the mind of Christ with serving, God brings restoration. There's a parable in the Bible about the Good Samaritan and Dr. King, Martin Luther King Jr., had this observation. Two people who were religious went right by the wounded man. And then it was the third person, the unexpected person, the Samaritan. And Dr. King said, here's the difference. In the mind of the first two people, they thought, if I serve this wounded man, if I take that risk, if I go over to this man, what's going to happen to me? And because that was their mindset, they walked right on by. But the third one, the Samaritan, had a different mindset. The mindset was, if I don't help the wounded man, what will happen to him? What a difference. What will happen to me if I serve or what will happen to that man if I don't serve? And that changes everything. Not just a religious spirit, but a spirit of truly serving like Christ. Uh, someone in our church gave me this quote, strength strength is for service, not status. When God gives you strength, it's not just for positions and status, it's for service. And there's great joy in serving. Uh, As we wrap up now, I invite the praise team, the worship team to come up and lead us in this final song. Serving brings hope. Serving changes lives. Serving glorifies God. And serving brings restoration. Jesus serves. Jesus serves you now. He wants to serve you more. And with that serving, uh, just know that God is seen. God is experienced. When you receive the love from the Lord, when you receive truth from Jesus, you receive his presence, his kindness, God is glorified. And the more you receive from the Lord, the more love you have from other people. The more you allow Jesus to serve you, the more you're going to be eager to serve other people. Let's pray. Together. Father God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for serving us before we loved you, uh, served us when we were unworthy. Continue to serve us with great patience and kindness. God, we see you. We see you, Jesus, how you serve. There's no one like you. We give you praise. Thank you for being so good to us. Forgive us for having hard hearts, slow hearts to receive, slow hearts to believe. And we want to be teachable with you, Jesus. We want to be teachable right now. And Lord, I pray that you would lift up our eyes to you and we would see that you're a way maker. Anyone feeling trapped in sin, in darkness, in despair, in the situation of life, in the crisis right now, we look to you, Jesus. You're a way maker. We worship you together. We praise your name. Amen.